So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to episode 54 of the Running Rugby Podcast. Your host Archie is here with you as always and Toby and Leo joining me. Toby, how are you feeling, mate? Good, mate. I'm excited for the finals. It's um, It's been a, a long season but a very interesting season. So many close games and yeah, probably the, the tightest we've seen this ladder. So it's exciting to see what the finals will bring with that top eight. It really is. Leo, what was your favourite game from the weekend? Oh, look, I thought the Reds showed a lot of guts to, to come through and, and get their win. I, I quite enjoyed that. And seeing Scott Higginbotham uh, go out with a couple of tries at, at home, um, pretty fitting. Yeah, definitely. A um, bit of news again this week, obviously, for the scale in the Israel Folau saga with him coming out saying he is going to sue Rugby Australia for $10 million, a number that apparently may bankrupt it. Um, anything to say on this boys I'm sure we're going to get more information every week we don't need to spend much time on it yeah I just I'm disappointed that Israel has proceeded with this but not surprised Um, it does have potential to really change the rugby landscape here in Australia but I think this is going to be played out for quite a while in the courts so we're going to I think have plenty to discuss going forward as the case unfolds but unfortunately it could drag on for a year or so, if not more, um, depending on appeals and things like that. So it's very sad. Um, you've seen the media kind of turning on Israel even more now. Uh, a lot of ex-players coming out and, and kind mm-hmm. of saying what he is doing is wrong. And I have to say I, I agree with them. And, yeah, I just wish it was over, but it's going to go on for a long time to come, I think. Yeah, I'd only add that there seems to be a lot of commentary around the the statement that Israel made 12 months or thereabouts ago about, you know, if, if there was anything, if he was found, he was really hurting the game. He'd, he'd just walk away. And like, that seemed like a pretty straight up statement at the time. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the commentary is that he's not living out that statement. And no. uh, yeah, I, I just hope that there isn't too much damage to rugby Australia's ability to operate and, and, you know, develop and progress in the future. If in fact he's successful. Yeah, it's interesting. The this, this sentiment's being shared in New Zealand as well. The Rugby Pass podcast, the short ball with Scotty Stevenson and Ali Williams, they've commented on this and condemned Israel's actions as well. You know, people are feeling the pain outside Australia as well, and no one wants to see Australia suffer in this way. So, yeah, let's hope there's a resolution. But, yeah, we're just going to have to keep you posted on that because we don't know enough yet. Before we get into the games, and we're going to focus much more heavily on next round and the previews, uh, because a lot of teams are out of finals contention. A lot of the games didn't have a huge impact on the finals as yet. So we'll briefly run through them, but we'll get into the previews nice and early. But before we start, let's have a bit of a game, guys. I know you love this when I give something for you, but not so much someone can win or lose this time. We're just looking at the Wallaby squad. We're getting closer and closer to it being announced. And I want to play a game called Wallaby or Wannabe. I'm going to give you boys a few names. I want to tell. I want you guys to tell me whether you think these guys are going to maybe not 
feature in the starting team, but be in a Wallaby squad this year, whether that's Rugby Championship or Rugby World Cup. All right, first name off the board. Scott Higginbotham. He scored, he scored two tries in his final game in Queensland this weekend. They are throw to you. You've, you've seen a bit more of him lately, so what do you think? Yeah, look, Scott Higginbotham, we've seen him in the past. He's, he's never quite stepped up to international level for a consistent run of games. Uh, he's had opportunities. While, while I think it would be a nice story, I think he's in good form now. Uh, it may be a bit more story than substance putting him in there. Um, look, I think he, I actually think he probably will get a run, um, but whether it's whether it's our best best pick, I, I think people like Nyserani and some of the other back rowers that they're willing to flex in the number eight are probably going to beat him out to any starting position. But I get the sense that he might actually slip in because he's just in such good form at the moment. So Wallaby or Wannabe? Well, you're saying Wallaby, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm saying gonna, Wallaby. I'm going to go Wannabe. I still think it's a bit of a trap bringing him in. I could see him starting off in a broader squad, but I don't think he'll make the cut if they bring that down to a 31-man squad. I, I think he deserves maybe a bit of a send-off, but he's let us down at the top level before. I don't think his work rate's up to it. He's got all the attributes of a carrying forward, but I think in defence and just general work rate, he does lack a bit of that real grit and real um, determination across the field and really putting in a good shift. So I'm going to go wannabe. But I do like the guy. I think he's a good player. He's just more of a super rugby calibre player than a wallaby. Split down the middle on that one. We've got a fair few of these to get through, boys. So don't don't delve too deep into them. I want your just honest opinion off the bat. Angus Cottrell. Leo, what do you think? Not wannabe. Deserving is a toiler, but he's he's just... Too many, too many other in the competition. Yeah, I'm going to go Wannabe as well. I think he's threatened in the past. Early on in the season, I think I was a bit more impressed. Um, I think there's too many other good back rowers out there. Speaking of more back rowers, Liam Wright, another Queensland red, young up-and-comer, has been had impressive games. Yeah, look, if we go for a, another straight-up pilfering seven, uh, I think I would be taking him over just about any of the others beyond Hooper and Pocock. He would probably be my third choice traditional seven. Still lacks a bit of finesse. Um, he's a little bit raw still. If Pocock was injured, I could see him coming in, but I think because Samu's there, if Pocock's there and Hooper's there, I can't see him probably being in that squad. But he's right on the fringe, and I think even next year he could really come into the top couple of open side flankers. Another split there, but yeah, it definitely opens up with Pocock leaving. One more back row here, Lockie McCaffrey. We've said a lot about him on this podcast. It's a name that doesn't get mentioned so much in the media, and Checkers, I don't think, ever really mentioned his name. Wallaby or Wannabe? Very similar boat to Scott Higginbotham. I would be less unhappy if he was in there over Higginbotham because I think, again, he's deserving and, and he hasn't had the opportunity. I don't care what you're I, happy about, man. Is he going to be well, in or not? I, I think it's a wannabe. I just, I just think wannabe. there's too many other back rowers and they're going to pick other guys and flex them into all these back row positions. I think, if, Arch, if you'd asked me six weeks in, I would have said Wallaby. I think that injury for him came at the wrong time. Unless he can really pull off some good performance in the, the finals here with the Brumbies, I think he's going to struggle. And I think he's up against it because Checker, I'm not sure, is that keen on him, mm. having not invited him to any of those invitational uh, meetings for the squad, the Wallaby squad. 
Um, so I think Wannabe for now. All right, let's go do a few backs then, and we'll start off with the big winger, Curtis Rona from the Waratahs. Is leaving after this year, but has showed some form in these last few weeks. Wannabe. No further comment. Yeah, Wannabe. I don't particularly like his attitude of late, I think. Um, he has been his in form. Attitude. No, I don't like... I still am not sold on him. Up with him man? How many of you? I think he's, his head's part way out of Australia. He's already kind of over there in London Irish. I think he's focusing on his future. I don't think he really thinks he's going to make a contribution to the Wallabies, and I'm not sure he's committed to Australian rugby, so happy for him to sit out as a wannabe. Okay. Wannabe from both sides there. Tate McDermott, the young gun halfback. This is for this year, I'm asking, not for the future, just for 2019. If I'm predicting for this season, I think it's wannabe. But that's that's not saying he's not deserving. I just don't think they'll bring him in this late. I think they'll feel like they've got too many incumbents, especially with Nick White coming back. Totally agree. Um, that third spot, I believe even Joe Powell. I think there's three. Joe Powell, Nick White and Jake Gordon, that'll be the three vying for that third spot. Mm. I think Tate, a couple of years off being in that kind of in that 23 at least okay well you've said two of the other names on this list Nick White and Jake Gordon Ooh. I don't know with Checker if Checker's showing interest in the guys from overseas unfortunately I would be expecting Nick White's the wallaby and Jake Gordon's the wannabe Jake Gordon has not been given many opportunities even last year so very disappointing for me I think he's again deserving but he's had like one or two Wallaby's opportunities, even when he's been on tour, um, I think he's he's the wannabe and Nick White maybe the wallaby. Definitely having Phipps come in and start consistently for the Waratahs. Jake hasn't had enough opportunities of late. I think that's really going to hurt him. I think the fact that Nick White has had a very strong season with Exeter, he's played in the final there in the Premiership. Um, I wouldn't go for Nick White, so I would go wannabe for him and Jake Gordon wallaby. But I think it's going to be the opposite when it comes to Checker selecting them. Mm. It's going to be really interesting what he does. Uh, let's go back into the forwards. A couple of second rowers here. I know, Toby, you're a fan of Matt Phillip, but you're also a fan of the young guy up the Reds, Harry Hawkins. What about both of those boys? Any Wallabies in those two? I think Matt Phillip has a lot of potential as a Wallaby. I would say Wallaby. I think Hawkins, again, injury hasn't served him well. Suspension. Or suspension. Okay, no injury. Angus Blythe has come in and played, I think, just as strongly almost as Mm -hmm. Harry Hawkins. Um, So, again, I think he's a few years off, um, really solidifying his position in the Wallaby squad. So Matt Phillip, I I think Matt Phillip has every chance to be, you know, say the fifth second rower picked. So I'll say Wallaby. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think Hawkins is just a little bit too young, a little bit, little bit lightweight. Um, if Matt Phillip plays consistently, which he's been reasonably consistent, if he gets a chance in the rugby championship, that would make him Wallaby anyway. But but he does have a chance to be that fifth lock. I, I actually disagree with you there, boys. I think I know Checker and he likes his young guys and he continually mentions Harry Hawkins. I reckon he's going to put him in that Wallaby squad and I think he's thinking he's moved on from Matt Phillip couple of hookers now. Anari Rangi, Tolu Latu. Anari Rangi, obviously been playing well, been down there covering for the Rebels with John Ulysses not there. A lot of people have been impressed with him. And Tolu, some would say almost the incumbent, but obviously discipline continues to be an issue on and off the field. Well, we all want to be. 
Checker and I, I, I reckon we'll differ. I think I will, I will get this wrong. I think Checker uh, shouldn't have Tolu Latu in the squad. I don't think he's earned it. Uh, but I think he probably will be a Wallaby. Anaru Rangi, I, I probably... Unfortunately, I, I just don't think he has that... Um, he just doesn't seem to come off like an, an international player. He's done done a great job at the Rebels. I don't think he'll get an opportunity. I think the Ulisi, TPN, Falau Fainga types, I think they'll, they'll be the ones that get the opportunity this year. So, wannabes. Yeah, 100% agree, Leo. And those three that you just mentioned, I think will be the top three hookers. I think Alex Murphy deserves to be the fourth in line. I'm not sure Tolu's even fifth. I think Rangi maybe comes in at fifth and Tolu's sixth if we're looking at it. Um, you with Alex Murphy at the moment? Uh, I think the way that Czech is going to pick the squad, I think Ulisi and Murphy will be vying for that third spot. I honestly do, because I think TPM will be brought in there for the experience, and he should probably play off the bench behind Falau. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to Murphy, and whether you pick you know, form over potential with Ulisi... I can see Ulisi getting picked because he's come in, he's starting again for the Rebels. He's got a lot of raps on him, even though we haven't seen him much. But we've seen as well that Checker isn't scared to pick someone that hasn't had a lot of game time. I think that's his fault, though. I, that you, In a World Cup year, it's not the time to pick on potential. You need to pick on form and you need to pick on performance, like demonstrated performance. And Falafaing has done it. Uh, TPN's doing it overseas, I guess. Um, you know, Alex Murphy has has put in good shifts. Uh, Ulysses not in my not in my radar at all. I don't think he deserves to be there after playing so little footy. Um, unfortunately, just poor injury timing for him. He's so untested. There's no combination in any of your front rowers with him. I just I just don't see the value. But I think we agree in that Anarangi and Tolu. Probably wannabes, but you think the check might pick Tolu Still. potentially. You think he doesn't yeah, like deserve he might, to be he there, might but decide, he... no, I would say Tolu because he has the a bit of that incumbency in the squad. So he might pick, beat out yeah. someone like Alex Murphy. I think it might take an injury for him to come in. I don't think that's deserving. I'd, Tolu, I, I would actually, I would have Damien Fitzpatrick before I had Tolu, Tolu yeah, Lado, and Tolu that's, like, that's not a criticism of Damien Fitzpatrick. I just really, I'm not off. Well, I'm completely off. Tolu doesn't even really deserve to be in that Waratahs 23, even the way he played on the weekend. He made quite a few mistakes. He didn't really have the impact that he usually does. and He's really not had a good season on and off the field, so I'm happy to leave him out, and I think he needs to do a lot to redeem himself. All right, final two names I'm going to give you before we wrap up Wallaby or Wannabe. Christian Leliofano, guiding his team to the top of the Australian Conference and to the finals, and... Billy Meeks, a bit of an unheralded inside centre, started the year hot, been a bit lacking more recently. Yeah, Christian Wallaby for mine. I think really think he's deserved. You think he's going to get? I think he's going to be there. Yeah, I think he's going to be there. I think that I he's earned he a lot of respect yeah. with Checker. Quaid's helped his. I think he's really helped his chances by being a bit hot and cold lately, um, and the Rebels in general. I think Lilifano provides that calm head. He'd be a good fit if Foley were to go down, and we're not even sure that Foley's going to start on recent form anyway. Um, Billy Meeks, I think, want to be... Started again, a good, good form with the Rebels at the start of the year. He's been displaced. He's been moved around in and out of the squad. He epitomises the Rebels, doesn't he? Yeah, they just have too much talent. I'd love to see Billy Meeks at 12 for the Waratahs. Like, make the move up north. 
Um, I think it would have served him a lot better because they have too much talent there in that back line. Now Matt Tamur is there. I mean, it's impossible to fit the, all these guys in. I think he's going to miss out, but I feel sorry for him. Yeah, Billy Meeks, I will definitely feel sorry for. We were If he'd played all season at 12 and we were picking people as specialists in their position, the only thing against Billy Meeks is he's a bit undersized. But he's, everything else, he's working well above his weight. So, uh, I, I, unfortunately, I would see him as a wannabe too. Christian Lilofano, I'm saying wallaby as well. I think he deserves to be there. He's got to, got to get some credit for getting his team to the top of the table in the Australian Conference. He deserves it. Yep. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. He definitely deserves it. All right, guys, I think we have a couple of players of the round. We didn't get onto this last week, but we'll get into it this week. So for round 17, players of the round, I might start off, actually. And we'll go back to South America and one of my favorite teams still, and it's Emiliano Buffelli. And it's a guy that absolutely outstanding performances last year and has sort of been a bit quieter this year. He's been a bit overshadowed by some of those wingers, Conciliari, Moyano. They've really been dominating the try scoring and a lot of the highlights of the Haguaros. But on the weekend, Mike got two tries for himself, set up a third, and was just making line breaks and just causing havoc every time he got the ball and really led from the front even though he's at the back and took down that Sharks team in what might end up being a preview of one of the finals yeah great player fantastic last year definitely quiet this year but he's worked his way back in and maybe he's building and peaking just at the right time for the Haguaris mm. my uh, my player of the round I, I was very close to picking um, one, uh, one of the other players in this team the, the pairing in the centres for the Highlanders Sia Tompkinson and Rob Thompson both had outstanding games against the Bulls um, Friday night. They, they between them, created a, a huge amount of opportunities for the Highlanders, which, which they took. And unfortunately, they still only got the draw, but uh, some really creative play, some good vision, putting kicks in behind uh, and, and just generally running hard at the line, defending hard, rushing up, playing really well as a pair. It's great, great for the Highlanders if they can keep those two together. I'd I'm fairly sure I don't think either of them are moving next year. So that's a real positive, and, and I'm going to go with Rob Thompson of the two for my player of the round. Very good, Leo. I, um, I'm going with Pete Summers' mullet for player of the round. I think it's deserved. Just the mullet. Just the mullet. Not he didn't even attached. have a great game, to be honest. <laughs> um, but he's got real potential, this guy, and I think that he's really coming into Wallaby's focus now. He's um, started the season a little bit more slowly, but really coming coming into form. And I've, I've been impressed last few weeks with him. But th- to be honest, a few guys in the Brumbies that I could give it to, Falafanga, Rory Arnold, even Simone um, and Pulu all played well. But it's it's going to the mullet of Pete Samu this week. I like it. No, I don't think we've ever seen a more deserving um, haircut. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you... You didn't really know what he was doing with it early on in the season. But he's tucking the shirt and he's got the mullet going. Hopefully he keeps it for the Wallabies. By the time the World Cup rolls around, that thing's going to be huge. Oh, God. All right, let's go in a bit of a recap of round 17. As I said, we're going to be really brief. So we'll start with the Reds up there at Suncorp. Final game at home for the season and a farewell, as we've mentioned already. Took down the Blues, 29-28. Last-ditch try by Higginbotham to win it. Leah, tell us a bit about it. I really enjoyed this game, not not just for the sentimentality of Scott Higginbotham's couple of tries. He, 
he surpassed the 40 mark, so he's now the highest scoring forward in Super Rugby. He's got 16 tries at Suncorp, and, and the, the 40th try was just great. Like It was a good team effort out the back line. Uh, Karevi drew in the defence, managed to get the ball out to Jock Campbell, the young winger, and he, with a silky no-look offload, just slipped it to Higgers down the right-hand sideline, which you know got, got me pretty excited. They were having a really good game, and, and they had to fight hard for this. It was that that Brad Thorne-inspired uh, never-say-die culture. They, they're just a really mentally tough team. Uh, and it was really good to see them follow this one through because they, they haven't had a lot of success against New Zealand teams in recent times. I think this was their their first win uh, against a New Zealand team in a while. I, I feel like it was like 2016 or something. They've, mm. They haven't won since. Or even, maybe it might have been 2015. So... Um, important win, important just for the just for the development and growth of that team, just to keep keep knocking over these little little milestones, beating a New Zealand team, making sure that's not a, a lingering stat against them quoted every game that they play. Um, they really dominated the stats. They they were very solid in defence. They were solid in their rucks, lineouts, and scrums, and they didn't concede too many penalties. So I hope, generally speaking, a, a lot of the Reds are going to be on the fringe for Wallaby selection. I hope enough of them get into the side that we can bring some of that grit and that, that mental strength that Brad Thorne has developed because they're a quality team when they when they bring it all together and, and if they all stick together, they're going to be a real force in future seasons. 100%. Uh, sad to hear, of course, that Samu Karevi sounds like he has signed in Japan for 2020, so we'll be off to Suntory. Um, this sounds like this news break hasn't been formally announced yet, so Karevi can't speak about it. Um, but he's out of here. Yeah, he had some tears, I think, before and he's after the game as well. He was holding back some emotion there, so it, it is sad because this is the best he's ever played. He's a real leader there in Queensland, and I think financially he's just had to make a decision, had to make a call after the World Cup to to kind of take care of himself and probably his family. But hopefully he comes back at some point because those Reds really. You know they really do value him. It'd be interesting to see it, uh, maybe a bit early, but but who then comes into that twelve position for the Reds? You've got um, Patea, Jordan Patea, who will be coming back uh, from injury later this year and and next year w- would probably feature somewhere in the centres, I imagine. But again, is is there room for someone like a Billy Meeks to come into that side if he wasn't mm. to stay at the Rebels? Um, just to just to bring a little bit more experience, but um, continue allowing those younger guys outside him to develop and just being a good foil for the the potential of someone like Jordan Patea. Is he a Brisbane boy? I'm not sure. He might be Sydney, but either way, I think yeah, that's I a think that'd be a great fit. Be really. a good fit for him, um, particularly with some of the young fly halves that are showing potential there. Um, and yeah, we've got some good outside centres at least. You just need a good inside centre if Karevi's going. So good fit for him. And then hopefully the Rebels can actually fit all their players into their back line. Exactly. Moving on, and we'll go to Christchurch in what was a bit of a dismal display from an Australian perspective. We had the Rebels uh, hope that they're going to make the playoffs, which we'll talk about a bit later. But going up against the defending champions, obviously Canterbury Crusaders coming off that loss, they definitely were out to prove something. And they did it with some effect. Yeah. <laughs> 10 tries to nil. 66 nil. Uh, you have Sevu Reese and Brayden Ennell both scoring hat-tricks. You have David Havili really going off there at fullback as well. 
seven races I mentioned now top try scorer in Super Rugby by 14 now next one behind him is 11 so he's way out in front but Crusaders just all over them Rebels obviously missing Genia missing Quade Cooper off the bench starting Ruru and Tamua um, at that 9-10 and they just did not look themselves and they didn't look like they were going to threaten at all and again, we've seen this real deterioration of the Rebels' form during the season. They started so well and showed so much promise. And to go over there and, and not really even put in any sort of competitive performance a week out, two weeks out from the finals, you can't really hold too much hope from them. Even if they do get into that top eight, they're just looking like they've really lost their way, um, which is a real shame given how many potential Wallabies are in there. Um, and I hope that doesn't really signal the fragility of mindset that some of these players are going to bring into a Wallaby setup. It just seems a bit unacceptable. I know that the Crusaders went down last week to the Chiefs. They were probably fired up. They really wanted to bounce back from that. But 66-0, I mean, that's just unacceptable. And they didn't even, like, they weren't completely uh, muscled out in a lot of the stat lines. Like, they had half the possession. They actually spent more time in the opponent's half. It just seems it's like they... the Crusaders kept scoring from 60 metres out. Yeah, well, that's right. The Crusaders' metres are just out of control. They're nearly a kilometre as a team. But like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally just... I don't think I've ever seen that. Well, it's 898, so it's pretty damn close. That's and crazy. like this, It's just a massive amount of you know clean breaks and, and beating the defence. So it's that one-on-one stuff, that, that structure and, and focus on your opposite man. And people just getting through, and then the Crusaders, you know, they support. They've got some real attacking flyers. They've got a lot of pace, but they've also got the guys in support. So the second line of defence wasn't any much, wasn't in a better position, and and just so one sided. Yeah, very disappointing to to uh, allow the Crusaders to finish that way because they're on bye this week. So they've now gone on bye after that absolute shellacking. Yeah, so they're going to be very, very uh, motivated and positive coming into finals. Mm-hmm. Toby, I know you and Leo are at the Waratahs-Brumbies game. Tell us a bit about what you saw out there at Bank West. Uh, firstly, I just want to say how impressed I was with the actual stadium. It was my first time out there in Parramatta, and I think they've done such a good job with the stadium. The atmosphere there was, was really good, even though the crowd was probably just over 10,000. Um, yeah, just the, the amount of the closeness to the pitch, and um, I don't think there's a bad seat in the house, really, so... I encourage anyone to get out there if you can see a game, even if it is an Eels game or something. I'm an Eels supporter myself, so you know if you have to support them to get out there, do it. But it was um, you know, a really good night in terms of seeing that stadium, but the Waratahs again let us down. Brumbies, I just expected to probably do it a little bit more easily than they did. The Waratahs did come back a bit at the end, um, but I think the Brumbies just they're kind of in cruise control a little bit at the moment. There were a few refereeing decisions that did potentially help the Brumbies and then hindered them there at the end. Ben O'Keefe, when we saw his name as as the referee, we were a bit worried. He's had a checkered record, um, particularly in Super Rugby. I'm not sure if he's had many international games, but uh, he just he sees the game in a different way to everyone else, and the crowd let him know about it. Um, he missed some key knock-ons there, and it was yeah, it was a bit of a sloppy display from him. So kind of had a bit of a mart on the game it, it wasn't a great game overall um but yeah it's just it's sad that the waratahs can't actually even win a home game and impress some of the fans out there in western sydney yeah very much a missed opportunity in their new stadium um in and even just more broadly that Parramatta area 
you know, there's a lot of nightlife. There's a lot of restaurants. It's actually a really pleasant spot to to sort of hang around pre-game and post-game. And the Waratahs are just going to earn absolutely no love for going out to Parramatta three times and copping three losses. At least, at least the Sharks and potentially the Haguaras being quite unexpected. And then this one, I think, it did just feel a bit inevitable. The Waratahs weren't up to this this matchup. They got uh, they got a few decisions in their favour that helped them along, but the Brummies just look like a unit. They look like a, a solid team that's not afraid to play away from home. They're they're executing their basics really well. The Waratahs just can't seem to keep up, and maybe the Waratahs have um, had to chop and change a little bit more later in the season. Um, you know, their back row hasn't been consistent all year. They've got guys going in and out of the locks. Uh, and the and the back line's obviously been affected by Israel Falau being yanked out of there. So, uh, not, not to make excuses. Well, yeah. it's it's changed, and it, but yeah. I don't think it's been more consistent. If it's if it's been better, it's still been very patchy. And yeah, I think they're just that's as, not they're just it hasn't as patchy. Been less consistent though. Oh, I don't know. I think maybe they had a little bit of an uptick when he first went out, and and Bill moved back there and was showing some strong form. But they're just within one game, they're so inconsistent. They look hot for ten minutes and then they drop their bundle and yeah, I, Adam Ashley really Cooper looked a bit better in this game, but I'm not sure he should continue on into Super Rugby next year. I'm not sure I want him there at 13 for the Tars. It might be a bit of a rebuild for the Tars next year. They just look like they need to really invest in youth and get some good young shoot shield players in there and maybe start again, um, save a bit of money on these top guys that aren't performing. Yeah. I'd- Again, un- uninspiring, and as a fan, it's very hard to to get out to these games when you've just got um, sort of no no optimism that that they're really going to pull it together. So whatever happens with the Waratahs this season, it's going to not be much. We're going to see some of these guys feature in the Wallabies. I hope in the off season, whatever recruiting they do, I just hope it doesn't tear apart other Super Rugby sides that we like that we think have good combinations because the Waratahs seem to get who they want. And if you're running hot for your side, there's there's always a chance the Waratahs come knocking. And I think a lot of the other teams have good combinations and good consistency. I'd much rather see them continue to develop that than yeah. see the guys pick, picked out and, and dragged off to the Waratahs. There's enough going overseas as it is. It's interesting. don't want to see the rest go to the Tars. You, you say that, Leo, but Will Miller, for example, promising seven at the Tars off the bench. He's going to the Brumbies. So there you go. There's a good replacement for David Pocock. Mm. Well, that's um, that's the thing. He hasn't had an opportunity. Yeah. And and that now he's you know he's he's a guy who's trying to find a starting spot and he's stuck behind the Wallabies captain. So yeah, that's not particularly surprising. But that's that's one of the few homegrown talents they have actually produced, and he's getting away. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if like Lachlan Swinton's been a bit of a standout in the last couple of weeks in terms of physicality and go forward, and yet he's a six in a team that's behind Ned Hannigan and Jack Dempsey as both sixes for the Wallabies. Hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was looking elsewhere as well. Yeah, and it's there's a glut of sixes in our system. Let's be honest, every team probably has two or three of them at their disposal. Even the Brumbies have a similar problem there, but guys like Tim, Tom Cusack can just seem to play anywhere, even though hmm. probably he's a number six at heart. Um, but yeah, that's, look... I look forward to a bit of a rebuild with the Waratahs. This season's gone. They're resting pretty much all their Wallabies for next week, which we'll talk about. Um, But the Brumbies, look, they've really bounced back from a pretty average year last year 
and it's great to see they're a happy squad. They're scoring points. Their key guys are in form. Guys like TK have, have never played better. Um, yeah, and I hope they can do some damage in the finals. Let's go through these other games quickly. I'm just going to mention them. Highlanders versus the Bulls. Highlanders, uh, another draw for the Bulls. And that's two draws and a win and a loss on this tour. So keeps them in the finals hunt, keeps them at fifth place. They actually flew Andre Pollard back in from South Africa because they, I think, were a bit worried about losing this and dropping out of finals contention. So uh, I guess lucky that he came in because he did manage to influence this game a bit. Other games... The Lions hosting the Hurricanes back there at Emirates uh, Park. And the Hurricanes, look, they started off pretty hot. And then the Lions were starting to come back. And a few key injections from the Canes. They brought Artie Sevilla, Dan Coles off the bench for the second half. And they really stood up for this team and really pushed the Hurricanes to an unassailable lead. And they won this 37-17. to um, Stormers and Sunwolves both playing slightly... Second string teams, a few key people missing. Uh, kept it a bit close early, the Sunwolves, as we know they're prone to do, but uh, Storm is just too powerful. 31-18 keeps them in uh, finals contention, depending on this weekend. And Hagiwaras versus the Sharks, already mentioned it earlier, but Hagiwaras is absolutely clinical. We thought they were playing well on tour, but they're playing even better now that they've gone home and they just don't really look like they have a weakness at the moment. 34-7, absolutely dominating the Sharks. Final round of Super Rugby, round 18. And this is where the decisions come. This is where the final makeup of our playoffs come through. And there's a few key, key games here that are going to be absolutely massive for these final series. Friday night, we'll start early. Highlanders versus Waratahs. This is probably not one of those key games because the Waratahs have come out and said they're resting pretty much all their Wallabies. Kirtley Beal... Um, Bernard Foley, Michael Hooper, Sakopi Kepu, Nick Phipps. Nick Phipps. I'm not even sure if Rob Simmons is playing on mm. this as well. So it's going to be an absolutely young gun team for the Tars, showing off a little bit of their extra talent that they can potentially look to bring in through. Whereas the Highlanders, again, statistic- statistically possible for them to make the playoffs. But a lot of a lot of things have to go their way, including getting a bonus point win in this game. But they do welcome back Ben Smith from that hamstring injury. Yeah, Highlanders, look, I think they'll put the strongest team they can out there. They'll be determined to get the points in this one. They'll get I think they will get the bonus point. I think they'll load some points on the Waratahs. Teams are there. Oh sorry. Teams are there. Phipps is yeah, playing. Yeah, Squire there. Yep. Newsom's playing at the back, so they've got all three wingers in. That's so dumb. They're playing Sinclair. And look, Arch, I think the Highlanders here, they've named a pretty strong lineup. Uh, they've got... Ben Smith, isn't there? Yeah, Ben Smith apparently isn't playing. Um, he's not even on the bench. But they still... I, I think it's a pretty impressive lineup. I think this forward pack for the Highlanders, really hard and edge to it. You've got Squire there, you've got Whitelock, you've got Hemapo and Franklin in a second row, Coltman is an all-black hooker. Um, I think that'll really set the platform well. Um, for some of these young and exciting backs to, to really show their, their wares. Waratahs, look, it's a it's a bit of a strange team they put out. Um, Phipps is starting. We don't get our wish. Jake Gordon doesn't doesn't actually get his chance, even though Phipps we, we think is going to be on the bench for the Wallabies. So, look, I don't really understand that thinking. Again, Daryl Gibson has made a, a bit of a strange call there. Um, but, look, 
Tars don't look that impressive. I won't go through the full team, but for me, Highlanders should get this done. I think that they will be able to get the bonus point in this one. I think they will keep themselves alive for that potential finals appearance. Yeah, I, I don't see the Waratahs getting a win here. They've got guys playing out of position like Robertson, Tom Robinson playing at three, is it? Tied head, so, yeah. Like, that's, yeah. And then we will always be frustrated seeing Phipps in a, in, a, in a nothing game where clearly other guys are getting an opportunity to get a start and a run. For Jake Gordon not to start is just ludicrous. So, uh, look, the high, definitely the Highlanders for this one. Still a mathematical chance, but... Uh, pretty much this week, uh, you got to win to make finals if, if you're any chances. You can't really rely on other teams to lose. You've, you've got to win your way in. So the Highlanders will play a strong side, and I think they'll get the win. Easy, Highlanders, definitely. Let's get to the much more interesting game. And we saw this last year with the Rebels. It comes down to the very last game for them. Last year, it was versus the Highlanders over in New Zealand, and they couldn't get it done. This year, they're versing the Chiefs team back home in Melbourne. And the Rebels, they've named back, gone back to a little bit of what they had at the start of the year. Hodges back out to the wing. They've got Meeks and English in there. And obviously, Genia and Quaid starting as well. Adam Coleman, unfortunately, not fit. They were hoping he would come back in to help counteract uh, Brody Retallick in the Chiefs. But the big story is, is Jack Debrasini coming back home to Melbourne, his former team, as the starting fly half for this impressive Chiefs outfit. And he could destroy his former team's playoff hopes and put his new team into the playoffs if he has a good game here. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I, I didn't think Debrazzini had, had earned the right to, to start, but um, maybe it's a rest for McKenzie or, or maybe he did enough. He, I think he started last he week. He started when they he beat started Yeah, against yeah, Crusaders. Exactly. So. Um, so anyway, he, no, he just strong beat the Crusaders himself, so it's pretty good yeah, strong strong chief side. Debrazzini, we'll, we'll see how he goes back in Melbourne. Uh, the Rebels have gone back to, I think, what we believe is probably their strongest back line. I don't know if it's so strong because they haven't been playing it, but they've gone back to what on paper we, we like to see in their backs. Um, a bit disappointing Jones has to play in the second row, but look, this, this again, it's a do or die. Uh, Rebels can win and, and lock up uh, that, that extra spot in the in the finals as a wild card. So uh, if they don't win this, the Chiefs don't necessarily get it either. There's some permutations in the South African field that, that could yield a, a, a big South African contingent. I think the I think the Rebels are just out of puff. I actually, I actually think they could lose this. Yeah, it's a fascinating game, this one. And the Rebels, it's strange to see that they've gone back to those combinations. I thought they weren't... They were happy to move away from having Meeks there and English in the centres, but... They were, the, they were the combination when they were winning games, so hopefully they can perform well. Really interesting as well, Leonard Brown's out at 13. They put the exciting Alex Nankerville there at 12. Um, so Leonard Brown probably playing his less preferred position there at 13. Um, but the Chiefs, look they look strong, and I think Sam Kane coming back into that forward pack, Retallick's there as well. They're going to be really hard to beat. Um, I think this is maybe even the game of the round, to be honest. Uh, it's going to be really tight. I don't really know which way to go with it. Um, Rebels, look, they should have a bit of an edge playing at home, but of late, how can you trust them? And the Chiefs took down the Crusaders um, over there in Fiji. Something telling me that the Chiefs are going to do it here. Um, yeah, look, I can just trader. see that... The both of you, your traders, 
Mate, I'm a Waratahs fan, so no, I'm not a trader. Maybe do Australian rugby, but I think the Chiefs, honestly... You and Palau, you're the same. You're traders to Australian rugby. That's all right. Big call. Right well, you can just... You can put your money where your mouth is in tipping, and we'll see which way you go on the day. I will. <laughs> but I think the Chiefs, look... Chiefs are dangerous. They're dangerous right now. They have a real chance to make these finals. They believe they deserve to be there. And they're rolling the dice, even putting, I think, Debrasini in there. He's had a couple of good starts, but Marty McKenzie is probably the, the safer option. Can Debrasini play under pressure back at home in Melbourne? Will it help him that he's familiar with the ground, or will he kind of crumble under that pressure of playing his ex-team? Has he ever played well in Melbourne? Uh, maybe a few times. He played there for a lot of years. I don't know. I don't trust him personally. Um, I just think the Chiefs forward pack may dominate here. Yeah, that's that's a big concern for me. We've seen how good their forward pack has been, especially their back row and swapping people through their locks and things. And that can only get better with having Brody Retallick back in there. But I've got to believe, I've got to believe my boys, the Rebels, are going to get there. They're going to they're put together this combination because it does work. They've finally worked out. Dave Wessels has finally gone, what actually did I change from the start of the season that made us start not being able to win these games? And he's, he's gone back to it. I'd love it if Adam Coleman was there, but unfortunately he's not going to be there. But I'm, I'm going to take the Rebels. I'm going to do it, boys. Fair enough. It's going to be tight. Third game of the round, and we actually head over to South America in the Haguaris playing the Friday night their time game, but that gives us an 8am game Saturday morning, so a lovely little continuation of our Super Rugby through the weekend. Now, they're playing the Sunwolves, and so, look, you'd expect the Haguaris to play probably an understrength team, have a few people with the rest. My question is, they'll probably win this game, but could this potentially damage their playoff run if they rest a huge amount of their starters? Well, yeah, I think it, it can only damage it come semi-final time if the Brumbies pass them um, on the table into second. You'd like the Haguares not to rest too many of their, their players and continue that roll on. I think it's dangerous to underrate the Sunwolves too much. We've seen them do damage when you least suspect it. I would hope that they play at least a three-quarters strong team, maybe rest some key guys, but not too many of their team, not too much rotation. You have to take every game seriously in this competition. And if you want to lock up second so that you have that safety net of a home semi-final, and we've seen how important that's been in the last three or four years, particularly with the Lions, look, that home semi could guarantee them a, a spot in the finals almost, the way they play at home. So I think it's important that they really come out firing in this one. Have we actually heard that they will rest players? Is that is that something we've seen indicated, or is it just an I haven't, assumption? I haven't said seen anything. So I actually, but I actually think they've done a reasonable job at rotating guys gradually in and out without having to shake up the whole team and leave a whole lot of guys out. Yeah. They've actually, you know, they played like a half team when they're on tour, and we thought, oh, this looks a bit unusual. This doesn't seem to be a full strength side, and they certainly played like a full strength side. So yeah, I think they've probably got the luxury of a lot of depth, and they're probably not at too much of a disadvantage no matter who they play. So it'd only be potentially injuries um, yeah. that they that they don't want to see exacerbated. I was um, saying that to Archie as well. I think the the only teams that have done it really well in terms of rotation, maybe the Crusaders and the Haguaros. I think maybe even the Haguaros have done it the best without dropping, mm. you know, dropping their performances because of it. So yeah, like you say, they'll probably do the smart thing here and do what needs to be done to get the result. 
And in reality, the Brumbies have probably done a fair job. They, they maybe don't yeah. have as many auto-pick wallabies, but they, they certainly haven't suffered for doing a bit of rotation. Yeah, uh, yeah in this one, I'm, I'm definitely going the Haguaras. I think it's a, it's a question of how many. Yeah, exactly. Might not be a 66-0, but, uh, but I can see it being quite a strong victory for them. Yeah, well, they just need the win, and that will absolutely lock up uh, second spot for them, and the Brumbies won't be able to catch them unless they really lose this one. We head back over to New Zealand and the Hurricanes, back from South Africa and back from a very successful tour and taking on the Blues. And this is one of the less important ones. Hurricanes can't get above second or fourth overall, so they are guaranteed a home quarterfinal um, and they can't really drop out of that. So uh, a bit of a nothing game for them. Blues obviously playing for pride. They This may be the last we see of Ma Nonu, considering he's been talked about not being sort of in contention for an all-black spot. He's probably not going to hang around there, you'd think, too much longer, so maybe a bit of a farewell uh, for the Blues. And Sonny Bill as well. I think Sonny Bill, he won't re-sign in Super Rugby next year. He could potentially be in Japan. So two guys that have contributed to that franchise in, in many ways, and Sonny Bill, even though we haven't seen him on the field much this, this year, he's been an integral part of that organisation for a few years now. Um, Blues, it's it's going to be interesting how many guys the Hurricanes actually put on the bench or rest. I've heard Nani Lamarpi is going to be sitting out, I think, on the bench. Um, but yeah, probably less to play for for the Hurricanes, but they don't want to drop their bundle um, moving into the finals. So probably going to be an entertaining game, this one, but definitely less on the line. Yeah, and the only other interesting uh, item which came out today was a bit of talk about whether there's potential for Bowden Barrett to actually get drawn to the Blues next season. So uh, if there's any truth to that, uh, that he that, that Bowden Barrett could That'd potentially go to the Blues, you can... Yeah, you'd like... Why would that, you, that, though? That seems insane. I don't know. Well, apparently he almost went there in 2016, Money, too. Yeah. But regardless, the Blues have been looking for a good fly half. They haven't managed to develop one, so perhaps that's that's the reason. But he's still not signed on for next year. Um, if, if in his mind, if he's going to the Blues, that maybe maybe it'll be time to put in a good performance, one last big performance for the Hurricanes, and he could be facing his future team. They may they may not know if he's coming or not. They may want to smash him, or who knows? So just just another little item. Keep an eye on in the news. I, I doubt we'll find anything out before the end of the Super season, though. Yeah, fair enough. Canes for me as well. Uh, then we head to Canberra, and the Brumbies obviously in GIO Stadium. Uh, taking on the Reds, and again, unless the Haguaras lose, Brumbies don't have a huge amount to play for in this. Uh, they are pretty locked up at the top of the Australian Conference, and only, as I said, if the Haguaras lose, have an option to get into second overall. Brumbies actually need 8,800 people to come to GIO Stadium to avoid their lowest average attendance ever in Super Rugby. So hopefully they get a nice big turnout here, because it would be such a shame for them having so much success in 2019 to then have to post that as their sort of crowd figures as well. Yeah, undefeated at home, and I think that the the streak... No, no, defeated once at home in the first round versus the Rebels. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, their streak that they're on, I think, hasn't been matched since 2007. They've been on quite a streak of wins. Um, Yeah, I'm disappointed with the fact that people haven't been getting out in there and supporting this team because they're great to watch. They score points. It's getting cold now, though. Yeah, it's getting cold, but like this is going but to be an entertaining hot. game. They're hot, hot, hot. They're hot. It's cold down there in Canberra. The Reds aren't used to playing in the cold. 
They're used to the humidity up there in Brisbane. I think the Reds are going to be out to hurt the Brumbies. Um, we don't want to see too many of these guys go down before the finals, but the Reds are going to be looking to really impose themselves. I'm sure Brad Thorne's going to be firing them up. These guys are still playing, like we keep talking about, for Wallabies positions. So these games are never unimportant. Um, and the Reds beat them earlier in the season. So there's a bit of a, a bit of revenge for the Brumbies need to get there. And look, I'm going to take the Brumbies, but I think it's going to be yeah an interesting game to watch because the Reds are always a kind of physical team. They throw the ball around now a bit more. They're really kind of developing as a unit, and it's interesting to see that. So definitely one to watch. Yeah, even though these two teams are at opposite ends of the Super Rugby Australian Conference table, I think these are the two teams I respect the most. The contest should be pretty tough and gritty. Uh, they they do play expansively and, and creatively when the, when the opportunity's on. They're, they're both pretty disciplined in that sense. Uh, I think the Brumbies at home will be too strong. It's looking like it'll be three or four degrees at game time on a clear night, so pretty frigid down there in Canberra. Uh, the the young guys from the Reds might not enjoy that too much if they're if they're kept out early and and the Brumbies scored a lot of points at home so uh, definitely potential for a few tries and yeah lastly just get out there rug up you've all got your coats you live there get out and support your team and and cheer them on to the Australian Conference victory they're gonna get and just some good matchups like you've got guys like Rory Arnold versus Isaac Rodder Taniella Tupo versus either Scott Seo or James Slipper, you've got um, Lachlan McCaffrey up against Scott Higginbotham. Some really good, you know, matchups in that forward pack. I think it's Scott Seo's hundredth game. It is. Um, so he's done really well down there, and whether he starts or not, it remains to be seen. But he's happy to play his part off the bench if needed. Um, but Brumbies, yeah, look, let's hope they can continue their roll on. Um, but we still want to see a bit of a spectacle. Yeah, and I think it will be it will be a great game. I think down there. Very physical, as you as you mentioned, Toby. Next, we get into this a little bit, probably two very important games coming out of South Africa. Two South African derbies. First, we have the Stormers versus the Sharks. And this is Stormers sitting there in seventh place, while the Sharks sitting in ninth. So, really, whatever team wins this is likely to definitely go through to the playoffs. There is scenarios where they can get uh, all these teams through which is bonkers. It's absolutely crazy. So let's hope that we don't see any sort of external manipulations here. But <laughs> we'll start off with the Storm of Sharks and then we'll move to the Battle of the Hideout with the Bulls and Lions. This is like, again, a bit of a roll-the-dice game. The Sharks couldn't get it done over in um, South America. They've been a bit more up and down of late. But I don't see the Stormers... I mean, you can never write them off. I think the Sharks are the better team. Provided they're all playing their top players, which I imagine they will be given what's on the line. I think the Sharks can do it. Um, I think they're more of a class team. Um, but yeah, like we've seen, you never really can quite rule out the Stormers. They, they just seem to come from anywhere. Yeah, I'm going to be sticking with my uh, don't think about it, just tip home team for South Africa because I, I just I cannot, cannot seem to pick them. And I think most of the time where I've been uh, torn and and I've gone the away team. I haven't I haven't got the pick. So uh, I, I'm going to take the Stormers, even though they're at home. They've been that upset team at home, even though they're at home. I guess it's sort of against the against the run. Um, Sharks have looked good, but I think the Stormers. I think the Stormers will do this one, and and that leads us into quite an interesting contest. Um, Bulls Lions, because I guess they'll know 
where where they can finish. Uh, there'll certainly be a lot to play for. They might be playing for a fifth or a sixth spot rather than a seventh or eighth where they've got to travel to um, Buenos Aires or Christchurch. Yeah, so Bulls, Lions, and obviously Bulls coming off straight off their tour, so a lot of travel there. The Lions have been at home, but they had a disappointing sort of out um, against the Hurricanes last weekend. And there is a scenario where the Lions can actually fall right out of the top eight and actually miss the finals, which would be uh, pretty astounding considering their run over the last few years. But whether they deserve to make it, I think this Bulls team, you're going to be bolstered by Dwayne V. Newland being back there. Obviously, Andre Pollard's still there. They've got a team that's really performing pretty well, even though they've been on the road. Weather fatigue comes into it, but they'll definitely be up for this game versus their uh, attitude rivals up there. I think the Bulls should should make it as it. Yeah, I mean, how many times do you get... I guess it's, you know, it's not a loss in New Zealand. They've drawn twice in a row. That's pretty outstanding for a touring team. Um, just going back to the Storm and Sharks, Lee, you're probably right... Home team's actually favoured here. Stormers have got... They've all got the minus three here. So the, the bookies are going with the Stormers. Equally, they're going with the Bulls. Um, I'll agree with the bookies on the second one. I think the Bulls can do it. I think they've got a bit of class about them, particularly at home. Um, and hopefully that, that jet lag doesn't hit too hard this week and they can be fresh for this one because the Lions are always going to come and they're going to be fired up, led by guys like Quagga Smith. Um, and a team that... Probably is their last chance to make finals. And August Smith, I sent you an article two days ago. He's not playing. He's out. What's wrong with him? Um, he looks too much like a dog. Cartoon. He looks like a cartoon dog. And he needs to see a specialist about that. <laughs> so, mate, You're the medical man. Yeah, look, Bulls need to bring a good performance here. Lions will not disappoint. They will never go down without a fight. Maybe missing a few guys here. But still, look, the Lions have had three disappointing years coming just short. They'd be really, really keen to make a finals again and maybe have one more run at this before their squad maybe deteriorates even further. Give me the Bulls, though. I think I'm confident they can do it and, and make a bit of a run in this finals. Yep, sticking with the home team. Bulls, my favoured team anyway. Lions without Quagga Smith. And, and even though they'll be working hard to try and make sure they're they're definitely making those finals series. I don't think they'll be able to do it. Uh, I think the Bulls, even though they have less to play for, will probably be able to uh, stay ahead and, and want to put in a good performance in the lead-up to finals. They're, they're going to be the top actual South African team if they can win, and they'll have a point to prove through the final series. So, boys, give me your top eight for the finals then. Well, top four is top pretty four's easy. easy. Yeah. Crusaders, Haguaras, Brumbies, Hurricanes. Yeah, and they're all hosting, obviously, so we know where the games are going to be. We just don't know the exact times, but then the last four teams. Look, it's it's a challenging one. I think the Sharks will be in there. I think the, the Bulls will be in there. And then I'm hoping, look, Highlanders, I think, can make it. What? No. You think the Highlanders are going to creep in there? With a bonus point? If the Chiefs win... Yeah. And the Sharks win, the Stormers drop out, the Highlanders go in with the Chiefs. Do you think the Highlanders are making the playoffs? No, no, no. That's the Chiefs, Chiefs are ahead of The Chiefs are ahead of the Highlanders because they've got more wins, Toby, even though they're on the same points. It doesn't go to points difference 
unless no, no, you've got no. an equal number of wins. I think the Chiefs won't win with a bonus point. Ah. So I think the Sharks get in. You think the Highlanders get up to 36? Wait, would the Lions get in? No, the Chiefs... Oh, that's close. It probably will be the Lions and the Chiefs will miss out. I think the Highlanders will be there. That's a bold call. I think the Highlanders will be there. I think the Sharks will be there. Potentially the Lions stay in because I'm not sure if the Chiefs beat the Rebels at home. I'm not sure the differential will, will keep them above the Lions there. So mm. for me, Bulls, Lions, Highlanders and Sharks. Yeah, I'm pretty similar. I, I think the Highlanders have a better chance of getting that bonus point against the traveling Waratahs. Even if the Chiefs win, I, I don't see them blowing out the Rebels by it as much. So being that as as it might be, Highlanders get to 36. I see the Bulls and the Storm is winning. So for me, the remaining four, uh, unfortunately, the Rebels miss out, the Chiefs miss out. I'm seeing Highlanders, Bulls, Lions and Stormers. Hmm. For me, I think Bulls stay there at fifth. They end up versing the Hurricanes in Wellington. I think the Rebels win and they get up to sixth and they end, we end up seeing an all-Australian quarterfinal with the Brumbies going up against the Rebels and the Rebels going back to Canberra where they've had success. And then we see the last two is where it gets really complicated, obviously. Um, but I think the Lions will probably end up there and I think the Sharks might just tip the Stormers. So it'll end up being Sharks at 7th versus the Haguaris, a rematch of this weekend, and then the Lions heading to Christchurch as the rematch of last year's finals. Mm. That would be an exciting, exciting finish. Uh, sorry, exciting start to the final series. Lots of good historic matchups and derbies. So all lots of things, all, all good lots to look forward to and in this final round and then into the finals. Exactly. And we've seen how important home field advantage oh, is. So let's not be surprised if we end up seeing, you know, in the semifinals, we see the Crusaders, Hurricanes, and Jaguars hosting the Brumbies, yep. which will be two fascinating matchups. Um, but it's equally, it's a year of, of upsets. It's a year of parity. Um, so maybe these bottom four teams in the top eight can actually do some damage and, and flip the script a little bit on, on these home sides. It's amazing to actually think the Hurricanes could win this weekend and actually end up with more wins than the Crusaders, even though they're behind on points. Mm. So that's Super Rugby. We've also had, obviously, the Wallabies under-20s going on, the Junior Wallabies at the World Cup. They took down Ireland uh, on the weekend, quite convincingly, uh, obviously helped by the fact that Ireland actually copped a red card from one of their second rowers, putting up a high shot on early in the game so a little bit of favor for the wallabies there but they they made a count putting on 42 points and um securing a win and top of their pool in the under 20s they do take on england over this weekend which will be another fascinating game they've come out and said they're not looking to rest anyone they're looking to play a full strength team they're looking to clean sweep the pool and go head into the final strong which i like i like to hear um and especially versus england i'm sure a lot of those guys would be uh, wanting to really put it to England after the Wallabies have had some issues putting away that English team in the professional era, especially over the last couple of years. And the only other thing that we should address, and that's the Major League Rugby Finals, and that's finishing up as well. Uh, we had the semi-finals, and we had the Seattle Seawolves taking on uh, the Toronto Arrows, and the Seawolves, as defending champions, took down the Arrows 30-17, to while San Diego Legion, the number one ranked team in this, took down the other 
uh, new team in this competition, Rugby Union New York. That was a really close one, 24-22. So we get the final this Sunday, 4 p.m. Australian time, and that's San Diego Legion taking on the defending champion, the Seattle Sunwolves, which should be a really entertaining game. Yeah, it's down in San Diego, isn't it? Yeah, so it'll be decent weather down there, maybe a little hot. Um, mm. But yeah, like Seawolves again have a chance to go back-to-back here. Um, so it'll be interesting, probably streaming live on Facebook as well. That about wraps it up here at the Running Rugby podcast for another week. Uh, next week we'll be looking at finals. Obviously, we'll see if our predictions come true and we'll be reviewing all these games from the final round. We'll be able to bring you the Major League Rugby champion as well as what's going to happen in the Junior Wallabies and the Under-20 Rugby World Cup. We'll also be comparing what we think our perfect Wallabies team should be up against what you guys have voted for up on Instagram with us, which has been up and on our stories. But remember to follow us on there on Instagram and at Facebook at Running Rugby Podcast and on Twitter at The Running Rugby Pod as well. We'll also probably go through some of these teams that have been eliminated and give them a bit of a grade for the year as well and see whether they have players that should be sticking around, coaches that should be sticking around, or whether some of them need to be thrown out for a bit of a rebound all around. Remember to download, remember to tell your friends, subscribe to us, give us a review if you feel like guys as well. We always enjoy reading some of those. And remember you can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, all the major platforms at Running Rugby Podcast there. Toby Lair, as always, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Look forward to seeing your tips go awry again for another week. I'm back on top in the tipping pool. Yeah, for now. For now, mate. Keep on running. Run.